Good. Hopefully not too much to eat, right? Don't need to be falling asleep on me, right? Well, hey, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dallas. I'm one of the leaders here. I really would love to get to know you better after the service. Uh, If I haven't spoken with you and that sort of thing, feel free to introduce yourself and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, Let me tell you where we're at. If you haven't been here, we are in the third week of our series called Suit Up, where we're looking at Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God, and we're taking a week And we're looking at each piece of that armor. And like I said, we're in the third week. So in the first week, we talked about the belt of truth and how uh, Roman soldiers would put the belt of truth on because that's really the foundation for them to put all the weapons into. If you didn't have the belt on, you couldn't store any other weapons. And so for us as Christians, if we don't have the truth, really we don't have any kind of foundation to build off of. And so that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. And then last week, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and how you wouldn't see a Roman soldier go into battle without a breastplate on because that protected the most vital organs, including the heart. So we look at Proverbs 4.23 where Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart, right? And so we processed through that and we talked about how Christ's righteousness is really how we can protect our heart. When we project everything onto Him, that's how we protect our hearts. And tonight, we're going to talk about uh, the gospel shoes, as I like to call it. And uh, before we do that, let's just, let's go back through Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. We'll read through the whole passage here. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. By the way, I'm reading out of the ESV. I don't think I said that. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm." Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. We'll stop right there. Let's pray before we move forward. Father, I pray tonight that you will just have your way in this place. Speak through me. Let this be your message. Father, I pray that, uh, that we will experience more fully the peace that only you offer. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so let's talk about the shoes of the gospel of peace. Why shoes and why the gospel and why peace? Well, first, let's start with the shoes. Now, I have to admit to you guys as we get started that I am not a very good resource to talk about shoes with you all here. I think if they did one of those uh, Preachers in Sneakers episodes on me, it would be a very boring episode because it's like my shoes essentially are, you know, $25 at TJ Maxx or $20 at Walmart and just recycled. Yeah, right? So... So that's just kind of where I'm at with shoes. If they work, if they fit me, I wear them until they smell, until they tear up. 
Sometimes even longer than that, right, family? I mean, you guys can. And my mom's picked up on this. In fact, last year at Christmas, she bought me three pairs of shoes. <laughs> and now I just cycle through those shoes. I'm still just doing it. I'm tr- trying to hold on till this Christmas, you know? <laughs> Not saying anybody needs to buy me shoes, but I am size 11, by the way, but <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that's the right approach to shoes. I'm just saying that that's sort of been my approach. Now, I'll say kids get this right, at least in one regard, in terms of how they view shoes. If you see a young kid, maybe four or five years old, and they, they got new shoes, and they go show their friends, they, they say, hey, check out my shoes. But then the next thing that they do is they say, watch this. And they take off. And you can, you can tell, evidently, those new shoes made them go just a little bit faster, right? And, I, and what I want to know is, when did we stop doing that? <laughs> I mean, what I want, if I get a new pair of shoes for Christmas, I want you guys to say, hey, Dallas, can you run faster in those shoes? And just ask me if I can prove it. I mean, when did we lose that, right? But... But the point is, they're focused not just on the fashion of it, although if they have some cool light-up shoes or some, mine was always like Teenage teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shoes, like I had to show you that they were cool, right? So there was fashion, but there was also functionality. And I think as we get older, we lose a little bit of the functionality, we keep the fashion. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. The fashion is fine. I mean, you know, whatever. but, But when you're talking about war... All that goes out the window, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't matter if you, you know, wore those same shoes last Tuesday or do they match my outfit or whatever. When arrows are flying at your head, you don't really care so much anymore about the other things about the shoe. You just want a shoe that functions, that works for you, to help you move and to, to stand strong and to be agile and all those things whenever you're in war. Now, I do want to say this about kids. One aspect they get right about shoes, they focus on the function, but then the aspect they don't get right, and I fall into this category too, is often they won't put them on. Have you guys experienced this with kids not putting shoes on? Morgan gets so mad at me about this all the time. I mean, she works so hard to put that shoe basket right by the door going out, so that everybody would get their shoes on. But oftentimes, if I'm taking the trash out or I'm just going outside for just a minute or something like that, I will not put my shoes on and go outside and get my feet all dirty, not to mention, you know, stepping on, uh, usually it's sidewalk chalk from the girls. But often it's verslet beads. Very often it's those. And I'll come in and my feet will be all black and she'll be very, very upset with me. Why didn't you just take the 10 seconds to put on shoes or even just take five seconds to put on some slippers, right? And so we have this argument all the time. And so essentially, the first point here tonight is we've got to put these shoes on. I mean, it's not very natural for us, I think, to just... um, sway towards peace. I think especially in times of war, we don't really just veer towards peace. Oh, I woke up and I'm peaceful today. Just like we have to put our shoes on, we have to focus and be intentional about putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace. 
So, how can we experience peace in the midst of war today? Well, it's by putting a good pair of shoes on. And we're going to process through what that means. In John 14, 27, Jesus says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, Jesus, Jesus is different in that way. I think the world would say, if you're in war, of course you can't experience peace. But Jesus demonstrates his authority here by saying in the midst of spiritual war, you can actually have peace because he provides that peace to us. And, in fact, Jesus is our peace. So we have got to be intentional about making him be our peace in our hearts. Um, In that time of warfare, it was pre-minefield days, and what they would do is they would put, you know, sort of on the roads and different things they would put for warfare, they would put these little spikes in the ground. So if you didn't have a good pair of shoes on, you would likely step on one of those, you'd get an infection, or you would bleed out, or something like that, sorry for for the imagery, but, but that was a tool that they used before there were mines to utilize in order to harm the enemy. And so what the Romans would do, they created this shoe that, uh, in fact, yeah, you got the graphic up there. I mean, a lot of times people called them sandals, but they would wrap all the way up your shin. And on the bottoms, you can't really see it there, but on the bottoms, they would have these like little uh, metal studs on them, almost like football cleats, but they, were, but they were metal. And you would walk around with a lot of confidence if you had those on that you wouldn't be stepping on some of those quote-unquote landmines that people put through. In fact, if you did step on it, you had a little bit of buffer and you'd be okay. So you could be at peace walking around if you had those shoes on, and that's really the point. And so for us, when we put these shoes on, we are meditating on the good news that Christ is our peace. So when we, when we wake up in the morning, we have to make sure that we're putting on Christ as our peace. That's so important. You know, when you're stressed out about something, you Maybe you've got a diagnosis or you're, you're fearing that there could be a diagnosis or somebody around you is struggling or maybe your job is stressful or you feel like you're about to lose your job or uh, relationship struggles or whatever it may be. In those moments, it's really our job to put on Christ as our peace. It's, it's time for us to say, you know, the enemy really likes to strike in those moments, right? He, he likes to put those little landmines in there to say, now's your opportunity to go down a bad road in your mind and in your heart. And we put on Christ as our peace as to say, look, come what may, but everything's going to be okay because Christ has taken it all. And we can have that confidence here tonight. See, he, he has a different kind of peace that nothing else offers. See, worldly peace would be something like, well, I should be able to go barefoot if I want, and I should also be free of any consequences that could come up from being barefoot. I mean, don't you hear that all the time? I get to do what I want to do, and there's no consequences, and I shouldn't have to go through any trials, and there shouldn't be any pain attached to my life, but when there's free will... There's always going to be some levels of pain. Even if it's not a, a direct a consequence of our decisions, there's still going to be pain because there's free will in the world. And so when Jesus says in John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
And then he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What he's doing here is he's keeping it real. You're going to have trouble. And the peace that we have is when there is trouble, there is also a higher authority here. And we can have peace in that higher authority. And that's why we've got to put those shoes on. See, if you have gospel shoes on, you can step on stuff and you can go into different terrains and different aspects of life and you can still have this peace with you. And by the way, that really is ultimate peace when it comes down to it. Because ultimate peace is not that circumstances are just right. Because if circumstances are just right, you can still worry about what happens when they're not just right. But to be able to say, come what may, because I know who holds the authority, that's peace. To be able to say tribulation can come, trials can come, but Christ has overcome it all, that's actual peace right there. And so for us, that's what we lean into. That's what we lean into. It's his authority. He's our peace. We put those shoes, those gospel shoes of peace on. Now, earlier we talked about function over fashion. Um, What was the function of the military shoe in in Roman culture? Uh, Alistair Begg, and I don't even know if that's how you say his name, but I just read his stuff, but it's probably not it at all. But um, but there's many scholars, not just him, that talk about there's three primary things uh, that the Roman soldiers would use the shoe uh, in terms of function for. Uh, one was stability, two was mobility, and three was adaptability. So let's process through some of those things here. First, stability. Uh, this is the ability to stand your ground. I mean, how often does Paul say, stand firm? I mean, not just in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, but throughout his uh, letters that he sends out, he says things like 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, he says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So we can stand firm and confidently in these shoes of God's peace in our lives. Um, When I was a freshman at Lipscomb University, I had two great mentors on the baseball team. Their names were Casey Bond and John King. And uh, one day, John and I are in the dugout, and he just kind of looks over at me, and he says, "Uh, Dallas, don't stand like that, (laughs) essentially is what he said. He said, don't stand like that. You, you know, you shift your weight all the time, and you're really nervous and stuff like that. He said, he said, stand like you have your feet in cement. I mean, stand, just stand strong, stand courageous, stand firm. Don't shift your weight. Don't do all those things. And, and it really stuck with me, even to this day, him saying that, because John lived with a peace that was firmly planted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He just did. And so I really learned from him that I could walk with confidence. And remember, we've talked about before, we, a Christian should never walk with a swagger or with a limp. The idea being we don't give in to insecurities and things like that, and we don't give in to arrogance because we project everything onto Christ and what he has done and his righteousness in our lives. So we can stand firm. We don't have to shift our weights. We can stand firm in these gospel shoes. See, we first have peace with God. That's our salvation. But then we want to really live into the peace of God from there. We want to stand firm in it. We want to grow in it. We want to learn its ways. We want to mature in this peace that God has for us. 
Now, the second use for the Roman soldier's shoes was mobility. I mean, we can be secure knowing that this gospel of peace is on the move. Uh, Just as the Roman soldiers would need stability in their shoes, they would also need mobility from their shoes. Now, I think that brings us peace because we know that Christ goes with us wherever we go. I mean, if you think about the the woman at the well in John chapter 4, I mean, you got to really think a lot of her life, she's just been torn, man. She had she had religious people telling her she's got to go worship on the mountain. She had religious people telling her she's got to go to the temple to worship. And she's just like, I got to get it right. I got to get it right. I got to get it right. And what does Jesus say? He says, the time is, is coming. In fact, is here now where, where you will worship in spirit and in truth. That you don't have to worry about going to just the right place in order to experience the presence of God. That now God's spirit is within us. Our bodies are the temple of God now. You're free of all those things, right? And so with God being in us and dwelling in us, wherever we go, there He is. And that's really good news for us to gravitate towards. I mean, if you have God in you, no matter where you are, that alone could provide some peace to our hearts. And not only that, but in Mark chapter 1, Jesus tells the disciples, I think it's uh, verse 38, He says, uh, they say, hey, more people are expecting to see you. And he says, well, we're going on to the next town. We're, we're continuing to share the gospel. And, and in Matthew 28, in fact, he says, hey, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them and teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded. And he doesn't say, teach them to just get all the traditions just right. Teach them to go to the temple this amount of time. You know, make sure you're at this place at this time. All that. No, no. He says, just do these things that I've instructed to you. See, the gospel is mobile and it's liberating to us because you will never be alone again when God's Spirit is in you. All things have pointed to the gospel. He says, make disciples, baptize, teach them to obey all that He's commanded because Christ is the fulfillment of all the things that were promised. He came as promised, His kingdom came, and He said, repent and believe, and we can ditch our crummy little kingdoms for his great kingdom and be a part of it. And life is found in his name. And now he goes everywhere with us. And that should bring us some peace. Because he is our peace. So, we have stability, mobility, and the third one is adaptability. Now let me, let me say one more thing about mobility. One of the things that I think separates Christianity from other religions is everything is in the unseen so the fact that, like, you could take our land, you could take artifacts, you could do all these different things, right? But the reality, though, is, at the end of the day, that Christ's Spirit is, is in us, right? And so, things like the Shroud of Turin, if somebody burned that shroud, Christianity would go on, wouldn't it? Because it's in the unseen, it's operating in the unseen, and that's so important. That's why the gospel can be mobile, Because it's not bound by a physical place. All right, and adaptability. Now, when we say adaptability, we're certainly not adapting our message in any way. Let's be clear about that. God's message does not change. Uh, It doesn't matter what the culture says. Uh, We don't ever bend the truth of God's Word to fit what anybody else wants from us or anything like that or what the culture's saying or anything like that. But with those set convictions that we have, there needs to be some adaptability. I mean, what if, 
what if God is really stirring or working in a situation, right? I mean, I think we all agree that we need adaptability. If, if somebody contacted you right now, somebody close to you, and said, hey, I need help, then your plans might change right away. And I think we need to, to adapt to what the Holy Spirit is doing, what He's doing in our lives and around us. Um, it reminds me, I think, uh, I think I told you guys this story probably like six, eight months ago or something, but it fits well here. Um, Justin Mizell, I, uh, I told you guys we were planting a church, I think it was uh, 2015, 2016, and um, we had our second core group meeting, and we had like 11 people there, and uh, he texts me beforehand, and he says, hey, I'm just, I'm just not going to make it tonight, um, I, and, I, and I'm like, what do you mean? He says, you and, he says, me and Susan aren't going to make it. And I'm like, you guys are like 20% of our church. You have to be there. Come on, right? Well, he says, uh, he says, no, we've been having these conversations. We've been having some really good conversations with this couple that's come over to, to our house. And they're like pouring their hearts out right now to us. And, and, and I just don't think it's a good idea for us to leave right now. And it took me a while to realize it, <laughs> maybe too long, but he was exactly right. He was open to what God was doing in that moment, as opposed to saying, this is where I'm heading, this is what I'm doing, and I'm not open to having any flexibility to what God wants to do. And, and how often does Jesus do just that? How often is he on the road somewhere or, or uh, going to a different town or something like that, and he stops and we see these gospel stories, we see these powerful stories happen, right? I mean, think about the time where the centurion comes running and he says, help, help, help. And Jesus is like, yeah, should I come heal him? Should I just come right now? Should I come heal him? Right? He's open to whatever it was the Father was wanting to do in that moment. And I think that's really important for us. We don't have to get bogged down by certain tradition. We can adapt and be free to go wherever it is that God wants us to go in that moment. We don't have to be bogged down by tradition, schedule, mundane, all those different things. We can just go where the gospel is going, and that's really good news. So, we have stability, we have mobility, and we have adaptability. Now, those were the purposes of the shoes of the Roman military soldier. Um, now, I'd love to end our time looking at Philippians 4-7. It says this. It says, In the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I was thinking about this just this morning. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I could point to a scripture (laughs) that tied all these three weeks that we've had together, and it was like 20 minutes later, and I was just flipping through in Philippians 4, 7. This This is tying the first three weapons together. It says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember, our our minds have to be focused on truth. Our minds have to be focused on truth. We've talked a few weeks ago about how the mind to be formed under the love of God is to dwell in the knowledge of God, dwell in what is true, right? That's putting on our belt of truth. It's dwelling and saturating in truth. And then guarding our hearts is putting on that breastplate of righteousness by saying there's no arrogance There's no insecurity. It's Christ's righteousness that we point to and that guards our hearts. And now by putting on on these gospel shoes, it's saying that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds. 
So the idea being, if, if we want to fully have the belt of truth on, and we want to have the breastplate of righteousness on, we also have to have the peace of God in order to be able to do that in its best form. See, we put on His peace, which makes everything else work in the best way. So, I guess the question really is, as we get back into worship, is um, what do we need to do to find peace? And I don't mean circumstantial peace, I mean transcendent of circumstance, peace in God here tonight. I mean, the, the one who, if he wages the war, he always wins. We can have peace in that God here tonight. And I know some of you are really going through some stuff. I, trust me, man, the last few weeks I've just, I've just seen pain in this congregation. But I also know the one who transcends it all. And we can find peace here tonight. And if you're waiting for a circumstance to change, don't. Because if that circumstance changes, you're just going to reserve peace because you're going to wonder, what if that thing comes back? What if something happens again? No, no, every morning we put our gospel shoes on, our gospel of peace shoes on, and we say Christ is everything. And if Christ is everything and He has all authority and all power, then trust me, we can have peace. And everything will be okay, as long as He is our peace. Let's pray and we'll worship. Father, we thank You for this time. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You um, just that You speak with clarity to us. Just help us to listen. Help us to see. Help us to just be a people who really do lean into the truth of, of who You are and, and, and what Your Word says. And Father, we're just so thankful for You sending Jesus I mean, not just his, 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 his death and resurrection, but also His life. And just how He taught us to walk in His ways. And help us to be a people who we just say yes. And we just have peace in Your finished work. And we have peace with You. And now we want Your peace. We want to grow into Your peace as well. Father, help us do that. Transform our hearts here tonight. We love You very much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, worship how you feel led. Um, altars are open. I'll be happy to pray with you as well or just worship your guts out. That sounds good too.